Welcome to Moment Talk. I'm your host Shiso Moore. On today's episode 46, we have Du Fong. He is a Hmong shaman. His mission is to provide insightful and impactful education on shaman. He's uh, local here in Wisconsin and he has his bachelor in psychology and he's passionate about mental health and counseling. Well, let's thank our sponsor and let's get right back into it. Today's sponsor is Collective Vision Fashion. Do you know how to sew? Or are you a fashion designer? This group is seeking for fashion designers and to competing in winning cash prize. Well, if you do, check them out on Facebook at Collective Vision Fashion. Now on to the show. Hello, everyone. We are super excited today. It is a beautiful day here. Uh, we have a gentleman that is from the Midwest in Milwaukee. And hello, hello. He goes by the name of Tufong Lee. He is a shaman. We had a, a gentleman that was a priest, and we like to have a well-rounded group of men, whether it's whatever. We accept all sorts of religious backgrounds. You have to healthy conversation. And today is with a, a shaman today, and I can't thank you enough. So welcome to home. Thank you for having me on the show, on the podcast. Yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, you're from Milwaukee, too. Yes, I'm from Milwaukee. Um, originally, I'm from Sheboygan, um, but I moved here when I started college, and then I've just stayed here ever since. What are you going to school for? I uh, graduated from UW-Milwaukee with my psychology degree. Yeah, and then I did a little bit of graduate school, but I took a break from that. So. Are you unemployed right now, too? or? Uh, right now, I... Um, Recently, I just opened up my business, um, so I'm doing that. I also work with the city of Milwaukee, um, so I'm just kind of working right now and trying to step back from school a little bit, and maybe in a few years, I'll go back to school. You yeah. just opened up a tailor shop, am I correct? Yeah, I did. I opened up a tailoring shop about uh, a year ago. We've been here since February of 2019, um, right downtown of uh, Menominee Falls. Um, and we basically just tailor clothes. We also customize clothes for um, people who are transgender, people who are gender neutral. Um, so we kind of do a little bit of everything here. Cool. Uh, you guys keeping busy during this pandemic or having a little trouble here? You know what, when it was um, March, around that time, we had to shut down for about a month and a half. Um, but after that, we've been pretty busy. I guess this time has allowed people to go through their clothes and take it in, I guess. Yeah. So we've been pretty busy. A good problem to have. Yeah. Right. Good. Good problem to have then. You know, you, you identify as a shaman and we want to get more deeper into that too. Is your parents obviously shaman too or was it yourself? Yeah, so we um, grew up, well, I grew up in a shamanism household. So um, my parents are, you know, they obviously believe in uh, in the religion, but um, it was never really anything that was practiced a lot or they never really spoke about it. Um, we never really hoopli or, or anything like that ever until I became a shaman. So, um, yeah, I really didn't know much about it either. Yeah, we stumble across you through social media. Yeah, we yeah we we, we uh stumble across you through social media, and you know we were just like, oh man, I gotta reach out to this guy. You're a pretty interesting fella, and wanted to get get to know you. 
So thank you so much again for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me and for reaching out. And I'm glad you uh, came upon the blog. So, yeah, that's awesome. So we'll talk about more about that too. Now, how many years have you been practicing shaman? I've been well. I guess there's a that's a two part question. So I've been officially practicing for about um, I think five years now. Yeah, I think five years now. Um, but the um, the journey of it has been since I was five or six years old. So been a long journey. Did you know that already, or did you kind of? No, maybe... yeah, no, no one knew. I didn't even know. Um, it wasn't until I started that, you know, looking back, things kind of made sense, um, and things kind of fell into place. Of you know. Why was I five years old, but you know, experiencing these shaman symptoms? Yeah, such as so, um, it shaman sickness for me, we call it morning when I was um five to six years old is when it, it started. Things like um, night terrors, nightmares, uh, gosh, sleep paralysis, um. Just all of that, things that are supernatural, paranormal activity, I guess, uh, has been happening since I was five, six years old. You don't have a sixth sense of, uh, you know, hearing things and seeing things, do you? Uh, no, not that, but uh, I guess it's different for every shaman. So some shamans, they might have that. Um, but for me, it's more of like... Um, I could sense the energy in the room, sense energy in someone. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had an experience where you just, you know, your hair just raise up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. Please do tell at least like one or two of you. Yeah. So let's see. Um, I don't even know where to begin. There's so many. Uh, see i guess I, i'm just gonna generalize it so um i guess as a shaman when you enter someone's house right um it could just be like a relative's house and you're there because they're hanging out or something and um you can kind of sense already that there's something kind of going on in their house or maybe there's something going on with them or with their parent or with another sibling um, you can kind of sense like a dark kind of energy. It's a very powerful energy. Um, and you really, I guess for me, I really have to control myself in the situations because um, you can lose control of yourself and then you can go into a trance. Um, and these things are just random, you know? Um, it just happens randomly. So whenever I can kind of feel when that's happening, um, and then I just have to remove myself from from the situation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I know there's one time when I, since we're talking about stories, there was one time when I had just started my 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 shaman journey, um, and um, it was late at night, and I had my at that time I only had my small altar, so we. Um, I was sleeping in the living room in my, at my parents' house and I had that small altar. And um, there was like, one light on in the living room. And then I 
kept hearing something moving under my shaman altar. Um, and I had my bags with the joss and my, my, my candles down there and I kept hearing something rattling and I thought that maybe it was a mouse or something. But um, I like slowly looked and I saw this um, kind of like black figure person, lady person, kind of crawling from underneath the table. And then it started, it crawled slowly and then it just turned into the corner, into the kitchen. Um, so after that, I, I was freaking scared. So I just ran upstairs and slept with my siblings. Dude, yeah. you're giving me goosebumps just like saying that. Yeah, yeah. And then there was another time too. Yeah. Uh, I was, I had just started my journey too. So in the beginning, when shamans start, they, they have to practice um, going, you know, practice going to the trance. And I had just started, I got on the bench and um, something was just like holding my feet down, you know, preventing me from shaking, preventing me from going to a trance, preventing me from like stomping when I need to. Um, yeah, so that happened for like a few, like 10 minutes into to the ritual. Something just on your feet. Yeah, something was holding on my feet. Um, I felt a lot of like, like my bench, it felt really, really crowded as if there were like 10 people on the bench with me. Yikes. Yeah. With that being said, what point did you decide to fully practice? Yep, so I started fully, fully uh, five years ago um, when I was like a sophomore or junior in college. Um, and I guess the symptoms just have progressed to the point where it was like my last resort, pretty much. I see. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's when I decided to just you know what, I have nothing to lose. Uh, I'm assuming because of the experience and what you're seeing and uh, uh, sleep paralysis. and Yeah, all of that since I was like five and it was just to that moment where I kind of just couldn't take it anymore pretty much. And we've like tried so many things already and... Mm-hmm. Hey. Was your first journey into the shaman world like? Um, it's not what everyone says, at, at least for me. You know, people always ask me, like, what do you see when you're, like, in a trance or when you have a veil over your head? And, like, 95% of the time, you don't really see anything. It's just pitch black. Um, and so my first time... I didn't really have any expectations for how it was going to be. Um, it just felt like my whole body was on fire pretty much. Um, and then you kind of have to let yourself go and um, you can feel your body shaking. You can feel your body vibrating. Um, your hands and your feet start to clench up. Your eyes start to clench. Um, and then you kind of slowly start shaking and then you just kind of like let go completely. Um, that's pretty much what my first time was like. Yeah, I had, I had no idea what to expect. Hmm. I bet it's mm. one, heck, one heck of an experience. Yeah, it's definitely an experience I'll never forget. Um, it's a feeling that I'll never forget too. <laughs> <laughs> How, you know, you 
identify as a gay man, am I correct? I do, yep. How does your family take the news when you broke the news to them about your sexuality? Yeah, so um, I came out a long time ago. I came out in 2012 uh, when I graduated high school. And um, it was, at first it was challenging, you know, it was challenging. Um, things didn't feel normal, the relationships that I had with, you know, my parents um, just didn't feel like what it was, you know, what it used to be. Uh, it wasn't until like a year later when things started to become normal again and, you know, families realized I'm still the same person. <laughs> I haven't changed. Uh, so yeah, it was a long process. I always knew that I was gay since since, I don't know, kindergarten, pretty much, yeah. That's yeah. awesome that you're, you know, accepted that uh, at a young age, and, you know, your parents yeah. are understanding of that, too, correct? Yeah, my parents are understanding. Um, it was much harder for my mom than it was for my dad, surprisingly. I thought it was the other way around, but... What was her reaction? Um, I think her reaction was like guilt and blame and i think she was trying to figure out like was it something that i did wrong or you know i raised you wrong or something that i did so it was very much like that for her uh, which i think is normal when i mean yeah i guess it's normal for when you come out you know i think parents cope differently and um i think you have to give them time to cope and to heal and to come to an understanding too. I, yeah, I think I think for the Hmong culture too, there's no language to describe someone who's, you know, gay or LGBT or um not a lot of OGs understand what that is. So I think that plays yeah, yeah. a big part into that too. There there's not even a proper Hmong term. I mean there's a Laos right. term, you know, good boy, but that's yeah yeah so yeah i mean maybe the Hmong term maybe it's like yeah it's weird yeah, yeah because yeah. they like there's no term but there's a way to like describe, describe it yeah. yeah yeah well i'm glad your mom accepted that now yeah yep it's been a long time coming <laughs> that's great man um one thing I was going to say was like with your practice and such, I mean, how much does your you know, sexuality play into how people approach you about your shaman healing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, I, I guess the, the people that approach me for healing are people who are like, you know, open minded um, and people who don't, I guess, don't approach me. That's pretty much how I take it. Um, and my partner actually is the assistant to me so he goes everywhere i go and he pretty much helps me with everything at, during rituals and everything so um people know that that's my partner and um sometimes i still get some ogs that ask you know when are you getting married or how come you don't have a wife yet things like that what's your response to that um i just say well i I don't have a wife. I, I don't want to get married to girls. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. I'm assuming they come in quite surprised. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Definitely. I could I could kind of see an older older like your grandma even that age. 
kind of like, oh, I maybe they do get it or don't get it at all? I, yeah, I don't think they get it because sometimes they still refer to my partner as just like, my friend. I guess that's a term that they use. I'm glad that uh, not only do you have a you know, partner, but someone to help you uh, doing these rituals, you know, when you're in your trance state. Yeah, he's been a big part of my process. Um, my, we, we call him Sihu, my master is actually his aunt. And um, he's been like a really big part in connecting us. And then from the very beginning, when, when that started, he's been like pretty helpful and, and played a critical role into my journey. How did you be? We met online. We met online. Good, good old Tinder or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we met online about six years or six years this year in October, six years ago. I'm happy for you, man. You're happy. Thank you. Yeah, he's Hmong too, and he he does the business with me, so we got lucky with each other. <laughs> That's great. Now, do you do anything different other than shaman, and then how you heal or practice? Um. Do I do anything different? Um, I, I mean, I, I pretty much, I mean, shamanism is like, to me, it's like such a big term, you know, because I think people think that if you're a shaman, then you have to sit on the bench and you have to like go into a trance. But um, there are like so many other ways to help heal, you know, all you have to do is just like, you know, tie your strength on someone, you know. Um, you go do a play for somebody, you know, that's a way of healing. Uh, you, that's, you know, healing already too. Um, I'm, because of this whole pandemic thing I've done, or I, I am doing, um, like a online virtual kind of mental health, um, submission thing for people who need mental health help. Um, it's a free service for people and uh, not only just mental health, but people who are going through things spiritually, they can submit questions or they can um, ask me to do like a reading for them all free. Oh, that's really uh, awesome of you of doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's all free. Um, and for younger people, it's a little bit easier to like approach another young shaman versus having to approach someone who's older. Um, some young Hmong people can't speak Hmong that well, or they might not have, you know, access to someone who's a shaman. So it was just that's a way good. of, yeah, helping. That's, that's great because you have a website and that too, which talk and give a brief that too. Yeah, you know, yeah. Great, great blogs on there. Um, Thank during you. During this, during this, you know, during this pandemic, how are you coping? As a yeah, it's been challenging um, because. I mean, I would imagine not only myself, but shamans, you know, other monk shamans were not performing rituals during this time. And um, some of us may be doing readings for other people, but for the most part, it's been pretty, uh, it's been pretty much nothing in terms of like healing and doing rituals for families. Um, so, uh, which is another reason why I opened up the online, you know, virtual submission forms. Um, so, Coping has been okay. Um, Hmong shamans were needed during this time because there's a lot of people who are going through a lot of mental health, mental health uh, things and people going through spiritual things. And um, 
people losing their loved ones and not having closure and things of that sort. And, um, yeah, it, it's definitely a need right now. That's great. Mm -hmm. Do you have family and friends turning to you for guidance and support? Yeah, I do. Um, I have a lot of family and friends uh, turning to me for support during this time. Um, some of them just needing someone to talk to, uh, some of them having spiritual questions. I've had family and friends who've lost loved ones because of uh, uh, COVID-19. So um, it's just been a really hard process for everyone. So shamans are needed only for times like these. So. Even strangers too. Yeah, strangers email me and ask me questions and we just talk, you know. What was your spiritual journey like? Um, oh my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, yeah, it started when I was five years old. Um, and the the spiritual journey then, you know, obviously I didn't know what was going on at all. Um, and uh, I, okay, so actually when I left for college, I converted. I converted over to become a Lutheran. And that was because um, I just felt like there was no other way out, I guess, um, from the shaman sickness and from all the paranormal and supernatural things. So I converted and for about two years, it was fine. And then everything just kind of came back even worse. Um, and then also kind of like going through, you know, I think shamans, we kind of feel everything like to another level. So things like depression and anxiety is definitely one of those things. Um, I just don't think that the older shamans like to talk about that, but um, depression is like a really big thing for shamans um, because we come in contact with people who um, only need, seek help and need help during really bad crisis times. So you never go to a shaman for fun, you know. Shamans don't really receive good news most of the time. Um, and what were your expectations? Honestly, I had I had no expectations. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was at my end's wits. I was just hoping that this was going to um, this was just going to help me. That, that's the only expectation I had, and it did. It did actually when I first met my master and we did that whole process. Um, I honestly could say that I slept for the first time like just five years ago. Good eight hours sleep. Uh, yep, good eight hours sleep <laughs> for the first time. No dreams, no nothing. I woke up feeling so refreshed and like I was a new person. Do you confine to the traditional shaman practice? Yeah, I do. Um, so there's like different types of um, shaman, I guess, lineages. Um, so my type of shaman that I have is Ning, we call it Ning Zizheng and Ning Zizong. And that's kind of the more traditional shaman. What are your hopes as a shaman personally? My hopes as a shaman? Um, you know what, I just want to help people. I just want to be a part of their journey. Um, I just want to help heal people going through hard times. Um, and I just kind of want to help 
myself and help people live their life totally, you know, not leaving anything in their lives unexplored or anything like that. So that's great. Are you allowed to have like expectations? Like ask us as like, you know, outside of the shaman world for those who don't practice your style of shamanism? Um yeah, I I I guess I'm allowed to have expectations. Um you know, shamanism thankfully isn't like um, you know, Buddhist monks, you know, where they have like a strict set of rules that they have to follow. Pretty much if you're a shaman, you're still allowed to like have expectations and do anything else that your shaman guides allow you to do. <laughs> Has there been some confrontations maybe? Because, you know, do shamans fight too? From, you know, from like another shaman to another a woman shaman, you know, picking at you or because of your lineage practice? Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. Um, and this is a good question because not a lot of people talk about these things. So thanks for that question. <laughs> um, yeah, shamans do fight technically. Um, they, they do, you know, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's like black magic, or we call it uh, kokondo. And um, shamans just, some shamans test other shamans out, or um, if there's any drama between families, um, that's another way of why shamans would fight. Have you won to one such scenario? Uh, yeah, I have, unfortunately. Um, it was with uh, an older, a much, much older shaman. Uh, a much older shaman. Uh, and he knew, this is like some deep family stuff that no one knew about, but he was, uh, he knew my, um, great-grandfather from a long time ago and uh, my great-grandfather was also a shaman too and um, there was just some unresolved problems um, and it's funny and also not funny because it's like 40 50 60 80 years later you know they still have some you know he was unable to let some of those problems go <laughs> Mm-hmm. So he, well, he brought it towards you. Yeah, he brought it towards me. Um, we believe that he did some black magic. There was a point where my altar just kind of blew up in flames, <laughs> and it sounds Whoa. unbelievable. And you know, if someone were to tell me this, I wouldn't believe them either. But yeah, my my shaman altar blew up in flames, and my sword and my you know sinning, my rattle um, was all burnt. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to visually see this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was I was at work actually when that happened, um, and for that whole day, I I was getting these rashes all over my arms and my hands, my fingers, my feet, and I couldn't, you know, I didn't understand why it wasn't when I got home, and I looked at my altar and. The whole bottom portion of my altar was burned up in pieces. This is just something like mm-hmm. sounds so unreal. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know these fights like um, it can cause people to die. It can cause other shamans to die. I see. Yeah. 
from what other shamans have have shared in their experience, their spiritual guide control a lot of what they say and do. Have you experienced been the same? Um, yes. So um, they always say that um, you know your shaman guides gonna connect. They'll come and tell you what to say. Um, and they do, but a part of that, your master also tells you um, specific things to say for specific rituals or for like specific um, cases as well. Um, and it, I think it's a little bit different for Hmong Americans like myself because we don't really speak Hmong that much and we're not surrounded, unlike my, my grandparents' generation where they were surrounded by shamanism. You know, that's that's their whole life. Um, so it's a little bit different for me. I, um, my, my master taught me what to say, but also my guides, they kind of just open your mouth and you just kind of know what to say too. It's a really, I, really weird experience. Yeah. It, it sounds like, like you kind of know what to say without knowing what to say. Yeah. Yeah. There are things that I say in Hmong and if you ask me to say that in if we're speaking and you're asking me to say that, I probably yeah. don't know what that means or how to say that even. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now let's, you know, go back about yourself. You're in your, you're in your late, uh, you know, getting, getting into your late 20s now. And can you give the younger, you know, 10 years younger yourself of those who are in that spiritual awakening? And tell the younger self of you that. Can you give us that advice? Yeah. Um, don't be afraid. Honestly, that's what I would say to myself. Don't be afraid um, in terms of spirituality-wise and in terms of just everything that goes on during, I mean, these are teenage years in my, in my life and in anyone's life. You know, you go through so much as a teen. And, um you think that you're alone and you're not and you're afraid to be who you are you're afraid of things of what people are going to say of what people are going to think about you and um if i could say anything to my younger self and to other younger shamans um just don't be afraid you know be yourself ask for help don't be afraid to start the journey um Destiny kind of always has a way of working things. Um, even if you don't start at 16, it's going to work its way and you're going to start at 26, you know. What does it mean to you to be a Hmong man? What does it mean to be a Hmong man? Um, you know what, that's a good question because uh, as a gay Hmong man, I feel like most of my life, the response from the community was, you know, you're not a man enough, or you're not a man, and you talk like a woman, you like men, so you're not a man. Um, so I've dealt with this question for pretty much all my life. Um, and so what does it mean to be a Hmong man? Um, I think it just means being you. You know, you don't have to be a certain way of what the culture tells you to be. You don't have to marry a woman just to be a man. You don't have to 
be put into a certain role or do certain things that the community thinks that a man should. Um, sometimes that may be damaging to little boys like myself when I was little, um, not thinking that I was a man enough, not thinking that I'm um, doing what I'm supposed to do. And that kind of can be like a dangerous line for, uh, for, for some boys, you know? So um, just to answer your question, just be yourself. If you have the guts to be yourself, that makes you a man enough. Love your answer. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and lastly, where can we find more of you? How can we learn more about you or follow you uh, in the work that you do or even like get you know, a brief, you know, talk with you? Yeah. So um, you guys can find me on Facebook. You know, it's just only. Um, more importantly, I have my blog, my online blog. And I share my personal stories. I share personal case stories that I've um, dealt with. Um, and you can also submit your questions if you have anything spiritually related. Or um, I also do mental health online. It's free of service. Um, all you have to do is go to the blog. Um, there's a little link at the top that says contact me. And you can just type in whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling in that moment. It doesn't matter if it's 12 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning. Those are usually when we have our darkest thoughts is when we go to sleep. So <laughs> if you need someone to talk to, just message me um, on my blog. It's um, TFO Hong Shaman. If you type that into Google, it should pop up. You can also email me. I've had a lot of people email me. Um, and my email is just tflmongshaman at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your time, for coming on this morning, having a chat more about this virtual awakening. Thank you. Uh, thank can, you for I having can, me. I can't thank you so much. And who knows, one time I might stop by Milwaukee and everything's back to normal and hang out. You definitely should. You know, thank you for having me. I think it's important what you're doing. You're getting people's stories out there. Um, you're getting other Hmong men's stories out there, too, in a positive way. And I think that's really important for younger teen boys, you know, to see positive messages about other Hmong men. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the work that you're putting in. Likewise. Thank you. All right. With, so, mm -hmm. so with, you know, with all your practices and all your experience, can you give us like a really scary story for our listeners that has happened or might've seen them back of your eye or sleeping? Give us your experience yeah. on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm thinking of one right now, and I've never forgotten this experience. Um, this is when I had went back to my parents' house, um, and this is when I still had my small altar at their house. And um, my old bedroom was upstairs, and um, I went to sleep. It was around 11 o'clock, and I had just shut my eyes, and um, I wasn't even asleep yet. But I felt this kind of cold, um, this kind of cold breeze. You know, when they say in movies, if there's a ghost around, you it kind of gets cold. It it kind of went that way, um, and I felt kind of a vibration, and I knew right away that I was gonna go into sleep paralysis, um, which I did. I went to, I snapped into sleep paralysis, and um, I can hear 
kind of this old lady's voice in my ear. Um, and she was just kind of like grunting and moaning and she sounded like she was in pain. Um, and obviously my body was frozen. I couldn't move, I couldn't scream. I felt like I was suffocating. Uh, and I opened my eyes and I saw this, um, this, loud, this old lady, just kind of like her face is right up on my face. And her eyes were, um, they weren't eyes like ours. They were like raisin, raisins, little dots on her eyes. And um, she didn't really have a nose either. <laughs> she didn't really have a nose either. And the thing that got me really, really, really scared that I'll never forget was her mouth. Now her mouth was, uh, it stretched from like one ear all the way to the other ear. And then um, her tongue, it was like the size of my arm, literally her tongue. Yeah, and um, it just kind of like fell out and dangled in front of me. And I couldn't scream, I couldn't do anything. I was panicking, so I was having problems breathing at that point. So I shut my eyes and I tried to bite myself so that I would wake up. I didn't wake up yet, but um, I, at that point I had my eyes shut. I opened my eyes hoping that she would be gone, but she wasn't gone. She was there again. <laughs> Put the shield over your head real fast. Didn't work. I know, yeah. She was still there. And she was just smiling. Like, her mouth was just open and her tongue was just out. Um, and I closed my eyes and I tried really, really, really hard. Number one, to, like, control my breathing because if I kept panicking, I felt like I was going to suffocate. And then number two, I was trying to bite my tongue, my lips, something to wake me up. And I managed to bite my tongue. And I woke up and immediately, I just booked it out the door and I ran downstairs immediately. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so scared. I actually was in tears too at that point because you're just so scared of what you just saw and you're like shaking and you're hyperventilating and it was like a fight or flight situation and I couldn't fight that, so I, I just had to book it. it. I mean, when you said that with their tongues and their mouth sticking out, I'm thinking some for like, Japanese animation of like, you know, oh, of, of something, was, yeah, right? It's some like some sort of, of Japanese like, animation, like Death Note or something like that. Where like, yeah, that's a character you. You sure you wasn't watching this anime? I know, right? Long? Yeah, her, <laughs> her face was like completely pale, and like her skin was so messed up, and it was yeah, it was a really scary. I'll never forget that moment. Do they give me goosebumps? Just like. Yeah. Give this sleep paralysis. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Well, that ends our episode. If you haven't yet, visit our website at www.momentalk.com or find us on Facebook, Moment Talk. Lastly, if you're listening on, on us on a podcast from Stitcher or Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes, please give us an honest rating. One last thing. We want to give a shout out and DJ Peter for allowing us to use your song and beats. Thank you so much. You can check them out on YouTube.